0: Hello, everyone, welcome to Cinema's Soft Underbelly, your one stop shop for all things horror, fantasy, science fiction, gems in the rough. Movies that should be seen, and I am trying to bring them to you. And today I'm going to continue on with my top 100 of all time. Um, I'm starting to get a little bit behind on uh, some of my underbelly movies, but that's okay. This will give me all sorts of ammunition once I actually do finally finish up my top 100 uh, to really dive into it. And in the meantime, if you do want to hear some of my uh, ramblings about... uh, Things related to the world of horror. Make sure that you tune into Movie Freaks uh, because I do review a bunch of movies on there uh, that would kind of be a crossover to this show as well. So, uh, without further ado, we're going to keep on uh, rolling with the uh, top 100. And I believe the last time I got to, um, I believe I got to the Abyss, number 56. um, possibly even fight club fight club was 55 uh this is 56 um so i'm not sure if i, if I stopped at, at uh, fight club i'm too lazy to go back and listen so fight club is awesome david fincher uh you know what i do kind of re- recall uh talking about seeing that in the theater with a bunch of people that didn't like it and that had an effect on my uh my thoughts on the movie so or, upon rewatching, it uh is uh Worlds better than when I had originally seen it in the theater. So, um, okay, 54. We're gonna keep right on ro- rolling here. Um, 54 is Gravity. And, uh, and by, by the way, just, just to make sure that, in case you're just tuning in, uh, I'm not going to get into a lot of backstory as far as like directors and actors and all that stuff with these movies, because I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of plowing through this as a recap for what, uh, we are currently doing on Movie Freaks. Um, with our new co-host, Jess Hicks, from Bloody Disgusting and uh, fellow employee of the Nightlight. So make sure that you uh, head over to Bloody Disgusting, read some of her really good reviews, and, and of course, make sure that you come out to the Nightlight Cinema in Akron. Um, nightlightcinema.com, and we're on Facebook, and we show all sorts of uh, really good independent art house uh type movies. Uh, so make sure that you uh, stop by and say hi. Uh, okay, so um, 54 is Gravity 3D. Now, the reason it's on this list is primarily because it is uh, one of, if not the best uh, uses of 3D that I have ever seen in a movie, short of, uh, I guess, Avatar. Uh, I, the movie itself, I, um, I don't think it's quite as good as uh, Martian or Interstellar, two other very recent uh, big-idea, uh, big-budget science fiction movies. Uh, it's still very, very good. And again, the the 3D and the, uh, the feeling that you are truly in outer space is incredible, and that is enough to put it on my top 100. Now, that is one—there uh, are some, like the next one right after Gravity, uh, that will never drop out of my top 100— uh, gravity could, uh, because it is it's going off of the gimmick of 3D, and so this one here, upon re you know repeat viewings down the road, I could see that one dropping farther down the list and eventually uh, leaving the list altogether. That would be one of them, and there are some on here that would would probably fall into that category. Um, 53, however, will always find a place on my top 100. In fact, I would dare say that this is probably a little bit too low, Um, and that would be Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, This is one of those movies where, and a lot of the movies on this list are, uh, there, there doesn't need to be much explanation because it just it is what it is. And you kind of know like, oh yeah, that's, of course that's on the top 100. That's a great movie. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of them. Uh, it's, uh, everything that you want in an action movie and it is timeless. You can watch that today and the action, the acting, the directing, the special effects, the score, the pacing, everything about that movie has not been dated even a little bit. And I'm so, uh, enamored with stuff like that 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 is timeless because a lot of movies, they get dated. And then maybe even more years down the road, I don't know, in 50 years, maybe it will seem dated. But for right now, it it could be made and released tomorrow. And I think that it would feel every bit as fresh as it did back in 1980. Uh, shot on film, of, of course, and I, I am a huge proponent of shot on film. I understand that shot on digital is the more... Uh, economic route and more cost-effective, and I I, I get that, but um, there is just something about watching a movie and knowing it's shot on film, and you can tell it's shot on film, that I just, I love. And this is a grand adventure on a huge scale. So anyway, Raiders of the Lost Ark. 52 is The Burning. This is, I believe, the Weinstein's first movie Miramax's first movie from uh 1980 I want to say 80 or 81 um, and it is one of the uh true underseen slasher gems in fact i would say that this is every bit the original friday the 13th's equal it's um it had the unfortunate uh it was unfortunate that this was released after friday the 13th i i guess uh, and it was heavily edited in its theatrical release. Um, it just seemed to get buried, and uh, upon rewatching it, it is so good. So the Tom Savini special effects are uh, every bit as good as they were in Friday the 13th, if not even more. The villain is genuinely scary, almost uh, almost like a cross between Jason Voorhees and. Uh, and Freddy Krueger, honestly, um, just a, a burn victim, a big brute burn victim, creepy dude. Um, and I do appreciate the fact that this movie features uh, a male lead as our final, uh, our final person that has to fend off uh, against the uh, the big bad slasher dude. So uh, it was just a very unique movie, um, and it uh, it definitely deserves a place on my top 100 because I do love horror movies and also because um, it totally encapsulates what is so good about those early 80s slasher movies. They're not scary really anymore at this point. Um, and they, a lot of the effects are like, oh, you can tell how that gag was done. Um, and these are very dated, but in a good way. Um, it's like you, you, no matter how hard uh, filmmakers try at this point, you you just can't emulate that feel anymore or that, you know, again, it's shot on film and just everything about it, um, is of its time. And I've said this before, I'll say this again. I think that the closest we have gotten to a genuinely, um, a genuine movie that truly feels like it was shot in the early eighties. Or even late seventies is uh, Ty West's House of the Devil, and I will even go so far as to say uh, Ty West's first movie, The Roost, is another one that that uh, falls into that category as well. And then some lesser ones. I mean, Rob Zombie uh, with his uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, which I love, uh, um, but even that one has a sheen to it that um, that it doesn't capture quite capture like uh, something like House of the Devil does. So anyway, but. Uh, the Burning. It's a great movie. Fifty One is Stuart Gordon's Reanimator with Jeffrey Combs, and uh, this one here I've grown up with. First time I I ever knew anything about this movie came out in nineteen eighty five. Uh, was a big poster uh, at the local VHS shop, and this this is back when VHS was just starting to become a thing, and people were able to rent movies. And I would have been uh, eleven years old. Um, I, I would imagine when this was coming up, probably twelve or thirteen after it. Got through its theatrical run, if it did have a theatrical run i 'm guessing, but uh I distinctly remember and i i it's just funny thinking back to these days of um of v h s stores and the posters that they had hanging on the wall, but there was a big poster of of uh of mad scientist Herbert West holding a big syringe and there was a a chopped off head in this in this uh lab bowl sitting in front of him, and it's it was extremely gruesome, especially. At a family-friendly video store, and I, of course, was like, "Wow!" And of course, right beside that was uh, J.P. Simon's Pieces poster, uh, which is one of my favorite slasher movies of all time. And I remember those, uh, and, and I, I, I love the the nostalgia of stuff like that. But anyway, Reanimator—it's great. It's got uh, over-the-top, fantastic practical effects, a great Frankenstein-esque type story, made even more so by the sequel, Bride of Reanimator. Um, but for me, the original uh, the original Reanimator is the one to watch. It's fantastic. Check it out, especially uh, if you can uh, import. There are some great releases in the UK and uh, Germany, and I have actually the German uh, Steelbook release of Reanimator and Bride of Reanimator, and uh, the transfers are amazing. Uh, so much so that I sold my uh, very poorly mastered uh, American Blu-ray release that was uh, not good at all. Trust me, import this movie. It's great. Number 50 is VHS Part 2, uh, one of those rare instances where the, uh, the sequel trumps the original. Not that the original is not, the first one isn't good. The first one is fantastic. This, to me, would be uh, one of, if not the best anthology uh, movies ever made. Um, I mean, I would put this one above stuff like Creepshow, and, uh, uh, trick or treat and movies like that. I think that that VHS two is so good and so effective. Uh, not only is it an anthology series, but it's found footage. Um, I was a bit nervous with the first story cause the first story is good. And upon rewatching, it actually gets better. Uh, but it's still, um, it doesn't soar to the heights that, um, Safe Haven does, and Safe Haven—it's from the director of The Raid One and Two. Um, it is, without a doubt, the best short film I have ever seen. It is uh, worth the price uh, alone for the Blu-ray, just for that one. It's so good. Uh, and then also there's um, uh its uh, something, Alien Invasion, Sleep uh, Sleepover, Alien Invasion, something like that, uh, which is so good because it's so insanely fast-paced and brutal and mean, Um, and the title says it all. Uh, It's a slumber party and an alien invasion, and it's great and scary, and that movie is fantastic. Check out VHS Part 2. Unfortunately, Part 3 completely dropped the ball. I I recall liking uh, two of the short stories. The wraparound story is so bad and so incomprehensible that it literally drags the entire movie down And, uh, there's another story in there that was so bad that, again, it it just took me out of the movie. So, uh, for my money, VHS 2 is the way to go. Make sure that, I know it's streaming, but make sure that you, if you at all possible can, uh, buy the Blu-ray because that is the unrated version and you want to see the unrated version, even if it's just for a couple seconds because the gore is off the charts in VHS 2. Number 49 is the original, not the Nicolas Cage remake, Wicker Man. And, uh, this is another... Classic. Now, this one here is quite dated in the styles and uh, even the pagan music type thing. It's just, uh, but having said that, that's one of the reasons why it is so good is because it is that early seventies feel, and it uh, you truly feel like you are on an island with a bunch of crazy cult people uh, with Christopher Lee as their leader, and he elevates any movie, good or good or bad. He always elevates a movie, and I would say that this is one of his crowning achievements. Uh, because he's not—he is sinister, but not in the typical Christopher Lee way. He is a little bit more understated in this movie. Uh, but this has one of the very best endings of a horror movie that I have ever seen in my life. And if you haven't seen it by now, get on that again. Another stellar Blu-ray release. Uh, the ending is. F- Phenomenal! It is so good and makes them it that literally makes the movie. If the ending would have been anything but what is on screen, uh, I honestly, I probably wouldn't like the movie that much because there's just a lot of weird dancing and weird kind of cheesy cultish type things going on. But it takes such a sinister turn uh, by the end that everything that preceded it. Uh, is made all the better because of it. So this is an example of where the ending makes the movie. In fact, I would dare say um, a a very recent movie that did that as well was Krampus, uh, which I thought was a good movie. I really liked it. Uh, It could have had a little bit more of a a mean-spirited bite to it, uh, but they definitely went for a Gremlins PG-13 type feel. But I will say that the ending of that movie uh, makes the movie. I love the ending of Krampus. If you haven't seen Krampus, check it out in the theater. Support horror in, uh, in mainstream theaters, because we don't get many really, really good ones, and that's a, that's a good one. Uh, especially one to go support in the theater. So, anyway. Um, okay, moving on from Wicker Man. Number 48 is Moonraker. And this is Roger Moore's. Uh, i 'm not sure which one this was probably his one, two, three, third, or fourth outing as bond, and for me, this was his best one one of and in fact, I think this is one of the most rewatchable uh, James Bond movies ever right there with On Her Majesty's Secret Service and honestly pretty much all the Daniel Craig ones I'm a big Daniel Craig James Bond fan uh, Timothy Dalton oh, yeah I'm not going to get into James Bond I've already talked about James Bond to death but Moonraker is great mainly because they were uh, capitalizing and cashing in on the Star Wars craze uh, it for me it worked yeah it's cheesy and it is dated but it's it's a blast and it's not as all over the place as something like Octopussy or A View to a Kill Uh, Was in the later uh, more outings that they did those kind of went off the rails. This one here still had a really good story. I really liked the villain, Uh, I liked the different, you know, Venice was in this thing. It was just a great movie, really fun. Um, Okay, now number 47 is Rob Zombie's The Devil's Rejects. And this is one um, that I can't watch often. I've watched it, I, I have watched it numerous times since its theatrical release. Uh, that I did watch with my co-host Eric Marner over at Movie Freaks, um, it, it's it's so effective that it's it makes it to where I can I can watch it just once every couple of years and then I'm good. Whereas something like House of a Thousand Corpses, I can watch that easily several times a year if I would want. Uh, but it is extremely effective as a nasty uh, road movie, crime drama with some horror. Uh, it's just it's rough goings. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, but those with those with strong stomachs and uh, those that are not easily offended. All others need to stay away from the Devil's Rejects. 46 is Jaws. And yeah, I know this should probably be higher on my list, but um, there's so many. And when it comes to top 100s, it's just some of them have to fall in certain places. And Jaws is at 46. 46. Um, primarily because there's been so many other creature features um that it's almost diluted this one slightly but that doesn't make it uh not effective it is still effective in that we don't see the shark that much and on top of that the acting elevates this movie so much um this is what made steven spielberg um who he is today i mean it was jaws and you know even a little bit before that duel which i think duel is a phenomenal movie uh but uh, it's funny. I think that Jaws is almost like a duel with a shark, if that makes sense. It's it's a, a bit similar with um, the good guy going against the the big villain, and in he, in this case, it's Shire versus the shark. Um, so anyway, yeah, Jaws. You've you've heard of the movie or you've seen it? Forty five is American Werewolf in London. John Landis's werewolf horror comedy. Uh, from the early '80s, I think it was nineteen. Was it 19? Yeah, I think it was 1980. Um, still holds up every bit as good as it did back then. I've seen this movie on VHS. I've seen this movie on LaserDisc, DVD, Blu-ray, and of course, Blu-ray is the way to go. It is uh, one of, if not, I bet, might be my favorite werewolf movie of all time. It uh, and it's not just because of the werewolf action; in it, it's because of the casting. The casting is so good. The acting is so good. Um, there are bits of comedy in it that are almost out of place, but that's what makes it work so good, is that you're not expecting it, and all of a sudden you see a horrific scene, and then it's followed by something kind of funny. Um, but it truly is a great movie, and uh, that end scene with the werewolf tearing through London is uh, fantastic, all the way up to the very abrupt ending with the... With the doo-wop type song for the end credits. I I love it. And I sit there grinning ear to ear when when it happens. So uh, American Werewolf in London, number 45. Number 44 is Superbad. Um, and this is another one that, that could potentially uh, fall down the list the more I watch it. But for me, everything about Superbad uh, encapsulates what I remember as a teen. And they capture that so well in this movie of of what it's like to be awkward and you know you got a couple things on your mind and that's girls and alcohol and um the writing is so good in it and it's it's 2 hours long but it does not feel like 2 hours long uh 2 hour long comedies generally for me don't work this one works in spades i every time i watch it i think okay i'm not going to like it quite as much as i did the first time and i like it every bit as much it's heartfelt uh it, the ending is for me very heartfelt um, and it gets actually emotional, uh, but everything leading up to it is just hysterical, and I laugh and laugh every time I see that movie, and it's just a, tr- a total gem in the rough for me. Um, 43 is, uh, oh, and this one here I'm getting ready to watch here, if not this week, then next week, and that would be the Black Christmas remake from 2006. This is one of the most underseen, crapped-on gems of a movie that I can remember uh, ever seeing. This should be a complete classic. And to me, it is. It is a yearly viewing. I watch it every holiday season in December, and it holds up so incredibly well. It's beautifully shot. It's horrifically gruesome. I love the cast um, I love the story. I can't believe the movie failed. It, it just boggles my mind that, and, and not only did it fail, but most people don't like this movie, and I, I don't know why. It, um, if you are a slasher fan, I don't know what's not to like about the movie. Um, uh, the, the, the ladies in the sorority house, I like them all, and even though they're all, a lot of them are kind of bitchy, but it, it makes the movie. Um, and the special effects, everything about it is just so cool. I love the movie. In fact, that one there, I'm guessing, will climb my list of top 100 um, as the the years tick on. I actually like Black Christmas Remake better than the original, and I'm probably one of the only people on Earth that does, but I do. 42 is The Lord of the Rings, and this is the extended versions. This is all three. I'm counting all three of these as one long 9-10 to hour movie. Um, Peter Jackson completely transformed... Uh, Tolkien's novels into a living, breathing thing that will live forever. Um, the only thing that I could see dating these movies is the CGI, which I think still is fantastic, but I will—I would guess that... Um, I, I recall the last time I watched it in The Return of the King, there was some spotty effects towards the end, but... Uh, that is a minor minor quibble in movies that i think are perfect. Uh i i am actually a big fan of the hobbit uh the hobbit prequels. I know that a lot of people are not but um i, I like them. If you go in with lowered expectations, um i think you'll enjoy the hobbit series. I think one of my biggest gripes with that is the last movie uh it it didn't quite work. It's still enjoyable, um uh, but they went too far with the CGI. Uh the lord of the rings however, um there are there is CGI, but you can tell a lot of times, or whenever possible, you're seeing real people, real sets, um, real landscapes on projected on your screen. And in The Hobbit, it's a lot more digital and digitized, and it doesn't feel as real as Lord of the Rings. So Lord of the Rings series. In fact, if I were to have, if I would have to pick between. The three of those, I think that The Two Towers is my favorite of the original trilogy. So, there you go. But they're all, it's splitting hairs with me on that On that one. They're all good. Uh, 41 is The Polar Express, another Christmas movie that is coming up very soon. I'm going to watch that one in 3D on Blu-ray. It's fantastic. <clears throat> this one here has been dated slightly uh, with the uh, facial textures, uh, because this was state-of-the-art when it came out uh, back in m- mid-2000s. Thousands, I believe. But that doesn't diminish the story that it's telling um, and the true dreamlike feel of the movie. Um, this is a movie that you don't have to be a kid to enjoy. You can be an adult. And because I've actually only watched this with my wife, and <clears throat> it's a holiday Christmas tradition for us. We watch this every year, and every year I get choked up in the end. When uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when big, big old Santa Claus finally shows up, I love the movie. It's so good, <clears throat> and um, yeah, check it out, especially the uh, 3D Blu-ray. It's great. Make sure you get the real 3D, not the uh, red and blue, uh, cheapy version that was originally released back when the format begun. Uh, Forty is the omen. Uh, This is the original Omen. I will say that I also enjoyed the remake from 2006, uh, which is almost a shot for shot, uh, but with lower expectations, I think that the remake is uh, actually quite good. However, it does not touch the original Omen. The kid is creepy. The music is uh, some of the most effective use of uh, music and score in a horror movie that I can remember. It's iconic when you hear it, and it is a part of the movie in that... Um, even though there are some horrific things going on, the music uh, makes it all the more so work. With different music, it would the movie I don't think would have worked near as well. I like that there are a couple of gory scenes in the movie, but they are used so sparingly that they are extreme, extremely effective when they do show up on screen. But it is a, a fantastic movie. And I would say that Omen 2, you know, Damien Omen 2, it's, well, not near as good as the first one. It's still a worthy follow-up. In fact, I think that Omen 2, um, I think that the Final Destination movies uh, get a lot of their ideas or the, the, the way they those movies were made from Damien Omen 2. Uh, and if you don't if you don't know what I'm talking about, check out the Final Destination movies, and then go watch Damien Omen Part Two, and you'll see kind of some similarities there. So forty, or uh, okay, that was number forty. Number thirty nine is War of the Worlds. This is Steven Spielberg's remake of the classic 1950s movie, and starring Tom Cruise. Um, the special effects are fantastic. The aliens are so good. The build up to the first alien attack is um, it, it's so well shot, and it's so Hence, uh, my biggest uh, my biggest complaint about War of the Worlds, and it is one that will knock this movie back uh, a ways, um, is uh, Dakota Fanning her screaming bratty little voice, uh, and even even his son is kind of a douche, uh, but but you just you live with it, and you you know you just. Enjoy the special effects and uh, everything else that's so awesome in that movie. But that's probably one that will fall down farther on my list. Uh, 38 is Jurassic Park, another Steven Spielberg movie. And uh, come on, everybody's seen Jurassic Park. It's so good. And I just recently re- rewatched Jurassic World. And trust me, that movie, I enjoyed it. But it, after the initial wow factor of watching in, the, in Jurassic World in the theater it definitely loses some of its luster on home video. Uh the I have the Blu-ray. It's still great, but yeah, it uh it it pales in comparison to Jurassic Park. It's cer- certainly better than uh parts 2 and 3, but it's <clears throat> yeah. It's not Jurassic Park. 37 is Boogie Nights. Uh, Paul Anderson's first, I believe his first movie. Um yeah. Um Mark Wahlberg as a porn star with Burt Reynolds and uh, William H. Macy, all-star cast. Uh, <clears throat> you know what? This movie encapsulates the 70s and 80s so well um, <clears throat> that even though it's dealing with the the porn industry, um, if you take that out, this could be about any business, really, and the ups and downs and... Uh, how family wins over everything. Um, it's a great movie. Yeah, check it out. Uh, I'm trying to rush through it, through this now, and that's why my voice is cracking. I'm taping this in the morning, and yeah. Uh, 36 is Ridley Scott's Prometheus 3D, and another one that the 3D, I don't want to say it makes the movie, but it certainly adds to the experience. Um, there's a lot of hate, for Prometheus. I think that is unfounded. I think it is great. It's caused so much discussion about the movie, and I I think that's great that people talk about it and like, what what about this and what about this? And I think that a lot of the questions, hopefully a lot of the questions will be answered in future installments. Uh, And if not, it's a great standalone movie. I think it's a great movie. Um, 35, and then I'm going to wrap it up, is James Cameron's Aliens. The best science fiction horror action movie ever made uh, I I don't think that there's any others that will that on my list that are going to top that one it's um, it's funny it's horrific it's uh, over the top action a big big spectacle it's everything that you want if you're a fan of this type of thing it's everything that you want in a movie and for being made in 86 it holds up extremely well uh, even the the queen alien in the end looks a bit hokey, but it's still, it's so good. Um, and the blu-ray, I would say this with most of these movies, the blu-ray makes the movie all the better because it's the best that the, these movies have ever looked at. So anyway, that's gonna, I'm already out of time. Uh, so I only got I didn't get that far, but I'm going to keep on, Working through my top 100. I'm next up is going to be 34. That's going to be on the next episode. But anyway, that's going to do it for my show. Uh, please check out Movie Freaks with our new co-host Jeff Hicks over on iTunes, as well as our friends over at Cinema Sidekicks. Um, and you can get all of me at Eugene Weaver at hotmail dot com. And uh, we've got all sorts of great new things headed your way on Movie Freaks as far as. Uh, a website that Jess Hicks is developing that uh, that my show here will be on as well, and hopefully some other podcasts from like-minded people. So we're hoping to just have a kind of a big conglomerate of uh, all things movie-related uh, and whatnot. So uh, more on that is coming soon. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Jess maybe even talks about that a little bit on the next episode of Movie Freak. So that's going to do it for my show today. Thanks for listening, and until next time.